So good morning to a brand new day. And let's just start with um, getting ourselves here again into the space, this body, and anchoring in that before we go into the next set of body parts. So this morning we are moving into the first group of liquids in the body. And we will start with, so the list this morning is spile, phlegm, pus, blood, sweat, fat. <laughs> if you want to get out your list and then we'll again recite it um, five times out loud and five times silently. Bile, phlegm, pus, blood, sweat, fat. 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 fat. 
So <clears throat> we're starting with bile. So the color is a straw color from the liver and yellow, brown, or green in the gallbladder. The shape, it's a kind of thick, thickish fluid like car oil. Directions above and below the waist. It is stored in the gallbladder. And delimitation is bordered by digestive and elimination organs. And it is the definition, it's bile comes from secretions of the liver. So liver is producing the bile, which then uh, acts as a stored in the gallbladder. The function, bile is a digestive juice with an emulsifying action that facilitates digestion of fats in the intestines. So the human liver can produce close to one liter or a little over one quart of bile per day. And the Greeks thought that the bile had something to do with personality. Ancient Greeks, that is. So there's bile production going on right now in the body and fat digestion from breakfast.
Well, bile might be quite elusive. The next one is not. (laughs) Next one is phlegm. And we can hear it being in the room. (laughs) So color. So healthy phlegm is normally clear or white. But also... um, like the cold, like when we have a cold, which it's just cold season right now. So that phlegm that comes out of the nose, that can also be clear, especially if it's a viral infection. If it's a bacterial infection, then it turns yellow. It can also be like greenish or brownish, which is a sign of infection. Or of some micro bleeding. Sometimes we have like a little bit of like bleeding or in the nose, and it can color the phlegm brown. So shape, it's a more or less thick fluid direction above the waist. <coughs> Here we go. <laughs> Location is in the lung, throat and mouth. And the delimitation, lungs, throat and mouth. Definition is a thick, more or less sticky fluid mucus from the respiratory passages. The function phlegm is produced by the respiratory system and can be expelled by cuffing. We call that sputum. And it's basically a water-based gel consisting of glycoproteins, immunoglobulins, lipids, and other things.
So the next one is an interesting one, pus, because that's the only one in the list that actually is something pathological. And my hunch is that probably back in the time of the Buddha, obviously there were no antibiotics or much of a medical um, knowledge that we have today. So probably pus was um, seen and experienced a lot. Probably just like cuts and bruises, they would often have pus. So in a way that it felt like it deserved to be part of this list. So the color pus can be yellow or red. Pus from the rupture of small blood vessels it can be bluish green. Again, dependent, depending on what the organisms are that are causing the pus. And the shape, it's like a creamish fluid and pus that has been walled off by a membrane is called an abscess. Direction above and below the waist, location anywhere in the body. And delimitation is bordered by whatever is next to it in the body. So sometimes it can be a membrane, sometimes it can be not be a lot uh, delimitation for that matter. And the definition is a protein-rich liquid produced during inflammation or infection with white blood cells. It's like a function, a liquid byproduct of inflammation. And it's a sign of infection.
Next one is blood. So color from dark to bright red, depending on the oxygen amount in it. Shape, thin liquid. Direction above and below the waist. Location, it's in the cardiovascular system meaning the heart, arteries, veins, and capillaries of the body. And delimitation, it's throughout the body. You want to get a sense of blood. You can either find your pulse at the wrist. So like if you place your fingers like on the side where your thumb is, your three fingers parallel to the tendons there. So you can maybe find your pulse there. Another good one to feel your pulses at um, putting your fingers up here under your, um, what's that probably called? Jawbone, thank you. (laughs) So between like the midline and the ear. You can feel it there. That's usually a strong pulse to palpable here. Feeling the blood. You can also see that, I mean, I, that probably works best the lighter your skin is, but you can squeeze your finger and kind of squeeze the blood out. And then as you let go, you can see how the blood rushes back in, giving it a like a pink, pinkish color, reddish. which you can also um, see with brown skin, but then it looks more like pale. I mean, it does look pale with white skin too, so whatever. (laughs) Because obviously the mechanism is the same. So definition is fluid that circulates throughout the heart, arteries, veins, and capillaries carrying Nourishment, electrolytes, hormones, vitamins, antibodies, temperature, warmth, oxygen to the tissues, taking away waste matter and carbon dioxide. And there's also menstrual blood, which is mixed with phlegm and walls of the um, capillaries that are breaking down in the menstrual cycle. So blood consists of 22% solids and 78% liquids. And so within a 
just a tiny droplet of blood. There are about 5 million red blood cells, 300,000 platelets, and 10,000 white cells, white blood cells. The human body contains roughly like 8 to 10 pints of blood. And every inch of human skin consists of about 20 feet of blood vessels. And so function is already was already a lot in the description, the definition. It pumps out the oxygenated blood in the arteries and brings it back or brings the carbon dioxide back in the venous system, goes back into the lungs where that gets exhaled. So it's a connection also between the lungs, and the inside and outside of the body. And blood moves through the circuit in about a minute, takes a minute. If you add that all up, then human blood travels about 60,000 miles per day through the body. So next one is 
sweat. Well, you can check right now, like the areas of the body that are sweaty right now. Might be, maybe not. And color, it's a colorless, slightly milky, salty fluid. Shape like water. Direction above and below the waist. Location on the outer skin anywhere in the body. The delimitation bordered by what's under the skin. So definition is salty and watery secretion from sweat glands in the skin. The function, the sweat cools the body by evaporation. Also a little bit can rid of what waste may be expressed through the pores of the skin. So daily amount is about a liter or one quart, but that can change considerably according to physical activity and atmospheric conditions, like in hot conditions, it can be as much as two and a half to four and a half gallons in 24 hours. And in some areas of the body, the sweat, which in itself has no smell, can become smelly, like the feet, the groin, armpits.
So next one is fat. The color is yellow. The shape depends on the temperature, so it can be like oily or it can be more solid, liquid or more solid. Direction above and below the waist. <clears throat> Location most places in the body. Limitation bordered by skin, flesh, and sinews. And definition is stored substance contained within the fat cells throughout the body. And the function is, um, it's a form of stored energy. For times when there's less food available, and a way of the body to store energy in times where there's enough food or more than enough food. Also is a form of a it cushions. And it also helps with thermoregulation. Buffers against the cold. The fat is also a form of protection.
So, bile, phlegm, pus, blood, sweat, fat. Are there any questions? Oh, yes. So the question was how these body parts came to be, who the list, as far as we know, Right. I mean, like the thing is, as Bob was saying the first night, so like for the first 500 years, like what the Buddha said was transmitted orally. So just with like common sense, we can really question like what did the Buddha actually say? <laughs> um, so one of our colleagues, he likes to say like the Buddha allegedly said. Um <laughs> so, but I don't know, Bob, do you want to? add something to that? You're the expert here and you need a mic for that.
You can use mine. Oh, it works. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, we don't, we don't know much of the history other than, you know, in the canonical literature of Buddhism, which is the baskets of the discourses, the ethics, and the psychology, containing all of the teachings that the Buddha taught, um, there's not any explanations or commentaries on why these parts and why this arrangement. And so, um, we don't know. But as a practitioner of this meditation practice f since 1980, what I can say is that I feel that these parts are the doorways, gateways into all of the other parts of the body. But why these parts? Why this order? Don't know. And I think we, you know, and I think in the honor of my teacher, Tumpulucero, a Burmese forest monk. And he, he, he learning it from his teachers and this stemming back to the time of the Buddha, allegedly, um, <laughs> wanting to honor this archaic practice and to explore its profound impact. And I also, um, just to add to that, because like some parts that are left out are very obvious. So for example, the senses, right? So the ears, eyes, so like all the senses. And they're in a different list. So there's another list uh, with the senses. So it feels like, okay, that's covered. And um, I think it's pretty obvious that they didn't dwell too much on the genitals and the reproductive system. So I think that's also very obvious that that's been left out. So I think with some, we can make assumptions, but, but who knows? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Happy campers. Yes, please. Yeah, so question was, have we, as practitioners of this practice, have we added, yes, firm, yes, because parts that just feel important and I feel like I need to pay attention to them in the same way, right, as I described last night. So like we're becoming aware that in a way it's deeply personal and deeply unpersonal at the same time. And that can help to really to balance like what I mentioned yesterday is like sometimes we're like overly obsessed with a part or we're really hating a part so we be want to become like more into like a more loving or friendly or at least neutral or equanimous relationship with parts that might not be in the list but like blatantly obvious in our experience so thank you yeah where would you Others agree? Yeah. yeah. Mm, thank you. Yes, please. Um, Bob used a term the other day, or a few times, the, uh, the odorless nature of the body. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bob, you say something about that. Say, you say, please, something about that. Oh, he will talk about that tonight. So, okay. So. Yeah, it's not personal. 
that's pretty much what it boils down to, right? And just coming back to that, the balance between like the relative and the absolute, the personal and the not personal. And how can that be helpful in just being in a healthier relationship with this? Yeah. Thank you. Yes, please. <laughs> so the question was whether there are meditations on like really like how the transformation of energy happens like from the sun into the plants into our bodies back to the earth and Mary Grace was just saying that's my talk tomorrow so <laughs> guys you're so tuned in right? <laughs> yes and there's the practice also of the, the elements so really Right, because that's so obvious. So, like the the heat, uh, the earth, the wind, and um, the water. So, like the qualities of those elements, they're yeah, so obvious, and they're also part of the body, right? Yeah, thank you. So, there will be coming more. <laughs> yes, please. So the question was about um, the elements and uh, is that their inclusion, is that part of why we include Qigong in, um, in this retreat? And certainly that's, that's there. You know, our primary purpose for including the Qigong in the retreat is to help you um, feel into, experience more these organs that we're going through. But yeah, as we get deeper into the practice and it sounds like you are. <laughs> you know, the elements are there too, and definitely a, a, a big part of Chinese medi- medicine and the theory behind them, yeah. Yes. And I've moved into a lot more appreciation of those things where they've often felt heavy. But I just wonder if you might say a little bit more about how that might fit into the Thank you. I'm thinking like, oh gosh, like, <laughs> can I repeat the question? No, but the question, um, if I can just um, shorten it a little bit, was... Um, so um, becoming more aware that, so there, yes, there's trauma stored in the body, but also positive, a lot of positive memories, a lot of positive things. And then also becoming more aware of like what we have been passed down through the generations, also negative and positive. And if there is a way how that would fit into the Buddhist teachings, is that kind of, um, what do you think the? The summary, okay, <laughs> got it, okay. Um, 
yeah, it, it goes back, at least for me, and I mean, obviously that could be like a long, big exploration and discussion also, and it's a really good question to also explore for yourself. And But it comes also back again to the unpersonal, impersonal nature, right, of just like this is, and as you were saying, the causes and conditions. And, right, so often like when we're thinking like, so if something feels like it has been done to us, right, that has, um, feels very personal. And again, on one level it is, and on another level it's not personal, because often that is also, like we can definitely see that in trauma, how trauma is being passed on through the generations, right? And then, of course, what happens in history, like all the cultural influences, like what happens with, I don't know, um, like natural catastrophes, like all of that, of course, just influences us. And then if we influence the people around us, we influence like our our children, right, to a point where they're now even seeing that part of that is actually then transformed into our DNA and passed on through the generations on a whole other level than actually doing something or not doing something. And it just um, sitting with this and seeing it more clearly, right? So again, so how can we hold that with more insight and clarity and equanimity, but also with compassion, Right, that like, oh, like it's really hard not to pass something on that has been so deeply imprinted onto us. And the work around that and how much really like the practices that we're teaching here of love, of compassion, of insight can really help to transform that and stop some of those things. And at the other on the other hand, also appreciating, right? Because I think because our culture is so focused on the individual and this whole like the self-made man. It's just like, that's, that's a lie. There is no such thing as a self-made man or woman, right? It's just like, well, who, who raised you? Like, who was, like, who's your tribe? Who was your village, your teachers? Like, I mean, like, who fed you? I mean, it's just, it's just an illusion. Like, that separation. And so there can be really more of an appreciation of, like, wow, all that I have been given, even if it was not perfect or often, like, deeply flawed, but I'm here. And that is, like, maybe, like, the most important Buddhist teaching is, like, whatever, no matter what happened in your life, it brought you here. It brought you to this place, to these teachings. And from the Buddhist perspective, that is the greatest gift of all. Because now you can learn tools and you can learn to, to transform that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Um, any announcements? Why don't you So yesterday, um, a couple of people actually had accidents out on the trails. Um, and so we wanted to remind you that if you go out for hikes, at this time of year, what has happened is that the earth has become very dry. And all those pebbles on top of the earth become ball bearings. And um, it's really, really incredibly easy to slip and to fall. I think the managers were are going to put up a sign-out sheet up in the office. So if you want that sense of protection, you can stop in there and sign out for your hike. But if you do that, please sign in. Otherwise, <laughs> 
we may be hunting out in the hills, you know, and all you're doing is taking a nap. So, so, but if you, even if you don't sign out and you're even staying in fairly close, it's really slippery. So please be careful. We don't want people to get hurt. So that's all. And one last thing, as, as I was walking in, because I didn't look at the sign-up sheet last night, I think there is a discrepancy. So I think right now my group is scheduled for this morning, and I'm very happy to meet with you this morning. But yesterday it was actually planned that I would meet with my group again in the afternoon because we have to coordinate rooms with the upstairs group. So my suggestion is that I will figure that out while you're doing Qigong, and at the end of that, if you can just like come out and gather like in front of, I think it's we're in room one. And if room one is empty at that time, we'll just have our meeting this morning. And if the other group is in there, then we'll meet at 3.45 this afternoon. So we're rolling with it. So thank you all and have a wonderful day of practice. <laughs>